It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. Hi everybody and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode 4 of Survivor San Juan del Sur. Sounded like a vampire. Uh, <laughs> what was that voice? I, I thought I was trying to go for something a little like Mesoamerican in honor of, you know, us being back in Nicaragua with season 29. But I fully realized that it ended up sounding like a vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more Count Dracula. Yeah, exactly. And we're talking about Count Drewkilla today, the fall of Drew Christie and a little bit more. This episode is really just about Drew Christie with maybe like some fringe stuff happening on the side. Of course, that other voice you hear as we are on this exile island together with no shelter, similarly to the actual exile island is Liana Boris. Liana, how are you? I'm great. Uh, I am San Juan del Sure that this was a fun episode to watch. That's a lot better than my Dracula voice. <laughs> I've been sitting on that for like a few days since watching the episode. <laughs> I, we had told me, he, he, I think he maybe made the original joke and I was like, I'm doing that for my intro line. And he was like, you can't do that for your intro line. Like, that's so stupid. And I was like, sounds perfect for yeah, the and B&B. I, I bet your thought was like, don't worry, Mike's going to do something so much stupider that this is going to seem like <laughs> yeah. a layup. In which case, you were absolutely correct with your prediction. Don't even worry about it. Mike's probably going to do a Dracula impression, yeah. and I'm going to sound like a normal person. He doesn't like every fifth podcaster, so for some reason, he brings in a vampire to do the intro. I don't know why. I just let him do it, you know? Well, uh, let's sort of flap our way into this episode, because it's just the two of us, just family. Sorry, was flap our way because of bats? I, I think so. Okay. I've been watching a lot of what we do in the shadows, so I guess vampires are at top of mind. But yeah, that was a little bit of like, an A to B to C type of connection <laughs> from vampires to flap our way. Flap our way, is, this is like the new kneecap response. This is not a phrase that people commonly use. We should never be allowed to do a podcast by ourselves again. <laughs> I know. This is like, I don't know. It would say like, uh, oh man, you know, uh, the parents are gone. Time for the kids to wreak havoc. But like, we're technically the parents in this case. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. So I don't think that anal- analogy quite <laughs> works, but uh, I don't know. Maybe the kids do want to party or the parents want to party. See, I can't even. I'm yeah, maybe it's like a party of five situation where like the parents are gone and the kids are like trying to figure out how to parent themselves. Mm, or maybe we're like the teenagers. So like the young kids mm. are gone. And so now we're going to have a party. Yeah. Or like maybe we're like the boxcar children and that we're sort of orphans. And we're just sort of making our way from podcast to podcast, going on various adventures. That sounds appropriate. (laughs) We'll go with that. I think so. So let's get into this episode, because we took a big leap forward from season one to season two to season four to season 29. This is, of course, a modern day episode, relatively speaking. I mean, this did air, you know, nearly six years ago to the day. It's It's a weird time. I know this is, you know... Pre-Liana and RHAP, this was just around the time that I was getting started on RHAP, so it was a bit of a throwback in many ways. But unlike the other episodes we talked about, Liana, I can only assume that you watched this episode in real time, right? Yeah, I watched this episode in real time, but I, you know, I wasn't tapped into any of the super fan community or really anything like that. The concept of you can go on the internet and find other people who are interested in the same things as you was so foreign to me. When I was watching this, I was like, no, the internet is how I Google like how to do stuff like that or or email people. To be clear, this was the year 2014 for people that are trying to figure it out. That is correct. Yes. Uh, so, because, yes, uh, um, the, you know, like, MySpace happened. <laughs> and that, that was, so, like, MySpace was a thing. And that was, like, the first time I was like, oh, yeah, like, I can talk to other people on the internet, but they were already my friends except for tom but then of course we became best friends and then like facebook was the same thing so you know what i mean so anyway long story short the point i'm trying to make is that yes i watched this live (laughs) all right direct connection much like vampires to flapping is myspace (laughs) to becoming part of the online survivor community yeah well you know the myspace group of survivors was you know like not a thing right that i knew about so i was definitely not privy to it so you know all the making fun of drew christie like i'm just so sad on all the memes i missed out on you know i I get to partake now when we revisit it but i do Mm. have a little bit of fomo of like oh man i could have been laughing so much when drew says he wants to go balls up. <laughs> Instead, I had to laugh by myself to no one but my cats. Yeah, there was a surprising amount of balls talked about this episode and nothing from Jeff Probst, surprisingly mm-hmm. enough. I think had he known, maybe he would have dug into it. But it seemed like Jeff Probst was delighting in his own way in this episode. Oh, my gosh. I did watch... Um I think it's Eager Turtle, the YouTube video mm. or uh, channel that has a bunch of compilations of Survivor stuff. I watched Jeff Probst being sassy, which is an amazing compilation of Jeff Probst being hella sassy. And this whole interaction was in there. And so when I got to see it embedded within the actual episode that it was from, it was like playing the hits, baby. <laughs> Jeff Probst just getting his... I was going to say jollies. Is yeah, I was going to say like getting his rocks off by <laughs> yeah. sassing the contestants. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's the appropriate verbiage, but uh, yes, he, he just seemed like 
the smile on his face when Drew comes back to say, okay, yeah, but like we found the Flint, which is the Flint was like right next to oh, the Oh, I loved guys. how it was. Cause that, because remember, so this is talked about in the previously on, but the initial trade for the Flint happened in episode two. So it happened a good like five or six days ago. And then just then, nearly a week later, they finally fly in the Flint and it was right next to the fire pit the entire time. <laughs> it's right next to Natalie's foot. <laughs> you know like it's a piece of metal in a like a very brown sandy environment i'm very though i guess i don't know maybe they didn't have keith moving around with a large stick and it wouldn't have popped out to them right poking around to trying to find it um yeah so so that was super fun uh but i think i think you know the whole point is is like well what was i doing when i watched this episode and i remember liking san juan del sur i remember finding the characters super funny um and really enjoying it but i wasn't at that time going back and reevaluating and thinking about the strategy or even evaluating the character moments it was very much a casual at the time and so it was neat to see this episode uh now going back and revisiting and thinking about it from the super fan perspective that i have now yeah so san juan del sur i feel like it's now looked upon more fondly and i think part of it is because of you know the returns and subsequent successes of people like kelly wentworth and jeremy and even keith natalie coming back and having a memorable one in winners at war as well uh you know i i think that it's sort of like the grass is always greener type of stuff especially with what we were about to get in worlds apart and other subsequent seasons that you know i think that it was looked upon at time as maybe not necessarily a boring season, but one that like did not have any root worthy contestants. I think, for example, Rob might have even said at one point that like the San Juan del Sur final five might be like the least strategic final five in Survivor history, which uh, Gabon says hello, but a uh, fair point, fair point. But I think that looking at all this stuff, especially the post merge, I feel is super interesting and super strong between like the Josh and Jeremy volleying points back and forth at each other. You know, Keith accidentally getting his son voted out. And then Natalie's turn with, you know, blindsiding Alec and then turning everyone against John Mish. And then the the idle play to get out Baylor. Like, there is so much good stuff here. I will say that the pre-merge does not necessarily live up to that. But that being said, this is a highlight of the pre-merge. And this actually feels like a bit of a unicorn of an episode in Survivor history, because this type of episode is sort of like what I want to call from a storytelling perspective, a one-off, where it's one episode that is just completely dedicated to one person's perspective and one person's adventure. You know, like one example from Survivor's past is the merge episode from Survivor the Amazon, when you knew from the first minute that Roger Sexton was going to be going home. And so the entire episode was dedicated as to how they were going to do that I guess you could sort of put in the same category uh, the episode from Survivor Winners at War where Tony got like 20 confessionals where he found the idol and then won immunity and then got out Sophie. Like there's there's very little episodes nowadays that are really about one character's rise and fall over the course of 42 minutes. So to see this is extremely unique, but it does end up losing arguably the character of the pre-merge in Drew Christie. Yeah, the the thing is, is that this episode is so fun. And so it makes me look on the pre-merge as being super favorable, even though I'm ignoring every episode before that. And of course, you have all the John Rocker stuff, which isn't super fun. Um, but this episode was just so crazy enjoyable. And I'm looking right now at the confessional count to try to see how many confessionals um, Drew had in that. He had nine. He had nine confessionals 
uh, in the episode that it was his boot. He had three zero one and then nine. <laughs> like, you know something's up when someone is getting that many confessionals. Uh, but at the same time, it's almost like if we're going to lose Drew, we want to get every little terrible quote yeah. out of him that we can, you know, squeeze that juice, like get out every little drip and drop that you can because <laughs> Drew Christie is so fun to watch on TV in like a terrible way, but still really, really fun. Yeah. And it's so interesting because there's a lot of stuff that feels oddly prescient in not only this season, but Survivor in general. Like, obviously, now there's been the talk about Drew Christie being Nostradamus because he talked about how dangerous Kelly Wentworth was. And then two seasons later, you know, she she blazes a trail there. Or even this episode when Drew talks about, like, his big fear about the women joining together. And he ends up almost manifesting it. But it ends up becoming a thing where, you know, this is the only season where it started with 10 men and eight women. And then I believe, like, six guys or something are voted out in a row in the middle of the season and four out of the final five are women so it's almost like drew christie ended up tipping off these dominoes that set the events into motion including his own boot mm-hmm. yeah very chicken and the egg type situation right like especially because you have the men all talking about who they're going to vote off and that results in some of the confusion that you see in in the actual votes the fact that it's a five two one one vote oh, it's so <laughs> messy i love it and that, that's the interesting thing as well right is you sometimes get this when a tribe has not gone to tribal council in a while mm-hmm. or ever. And then once they do, those cracks finally emerge. And I guess what happens is that we do benefit from the fact that like this nonsensical Keith stuff happens to happen at that same time as well. That like, you know, he's pointing Jeremy, but maybe he's he did it by accident. But Jeremy's going after Keith, but John's going after Julie because they've gotten to know each other for so long. Like once they're given the leverage to be able to scheme and plot against one another in the open, then all bets are off and it ends up becoming a really crazy vote for a first tribal council for a tribe. Yeah. If, so I, I had to go look. So I was like, I need to see who voted for who. Like you have Natalie, Missy, Julie and Kelly. So all the women are voting together to vote out Drew uh, and Jeremy also joins them. And then you have Keith and Reed who vote for Julie. John votes for Keith. Drew votes for Kelly. Like it's just a hot mess. And I feel like so much of that dissent and confusion came because Drew was being such a stick in the mud and oh not an F God. an effing stick yeah, not, in the not mud. Keith's long stick. <laughs> yeah. Because he's just like, no, this is what we're doing. And so I feel like because he was so rigid, no one else was able like the, the other men weren't able to come to a consensus. And so the women were able to get together to put the votes on Drew. And then Jeremy, being the smart player he is, wanted to vote in the majority, you know? So yeah, like again, it's a chicken or the egg type situation. Drew really manifested this women's alliance because the women are like, we're not going to let you steamroll over us. We're going to take advantage of the men being all over the place. Whereas if he had been more amenable and been like, no, you know, maybe the women aren't a problem. Who knows what would have happened in that case? So, uh, uh, yeah, very enjoyable. Very interesting. Yeah, there's a great moment in the post immunity challenge stuff where, you know, John has a circle of people and he's like, okay. I think we should vote Julie off. Here's my reasoning. And Drew interrupts this. There's no reason to vote Julie off. And John literally goes, what? But to to watch John Mish balk at Drew Christie is so like he's the perennial straight man. Like Drew Christie's going to tell somebody later, like, you know, I don't know why I'm even telling you because like there's a chance. I don't even think you guys will vote with this. And John's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) 
And also the moment where Drew is talking about voting at Kelly in front of Kelly and you get that that good pan back of just focusing on the guys and then you pan out to see her right there. And you can the way that the editors do it is it's clearly not an editing trick because you see Drew Christie's mouth moving saying we need to vote out Kelly and Kelly is right there. Oh my goodness. I expected the Curb Your Enthusiasm music to just start playing because it's just like, Drew, like, what is you doing? Stop. Uh, can I Can I also say that I understand that I think there was like, people were tired of John Mish by the end of the season. I know that Steven was really like putting him forward as like, oh, he's definitely winning. And I think, you know, a lot of people were very satisfied to see him go, especially with Natalie's brilliantly concocted 2-2-2 vote. I gotta say, though, I think in retrospect, like, I actually really like him as a character. Like, he is a goofy jock who admittedly is, like, not terribly good at the game. So it's fun to, like, see him in these moments, like, you know, when he sends Jacqueline to exile, for example. I I don't know. I find John Mish personally very endearing in retrospect. He kind of walks this fine line between being the sort of cocky alpha dude that you just want to hate and then being being endearing like you're talking about. And so sometimes he falls in one category for me. Sometimes he falls in the other. I think in this moment, because Drew is being the more outlandish one, <laughs> you're definitely just like, oh, you know, poor John, like having to deal with all of this. Um, but once you kind of can take a step back and rewatch, I totally understand that perspective because you get to you, you kind of know the outcome that's going to happen. And so you can watch him play the game from that perspective. Just thinking about like, it's OK, he'll get his come up in the end you know exactly and, and there's he's gonna have that douchey moment right where he's in the bed with natalie and jackson and like trying to be a wine connoisseur so he definitely has those those moments yeah. especially when you know after uh jeremy and josh take each other out like he becomes the next big power player and i do remember there were a few episodes when people were like waiting for it to happen natalie was waiting for it to happen he nearly went home at that west vote if natalie mm-hmm. doesn't tell him to play his idol he does go home so i think people were a bit like disappointed to see his delayed come up and But that being said, I do wonder, obviously, we're not going to watch through, you know, uh, 13 episodes of Survivor San Juan del Sur. But I wonder if he is a character much like the season that holds up better uh, in retrospect and, you know, almost five more than five years later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's entirely possible. It's been because I did rewatch San Juan del Sur, I want to say a couple years ago. Um, And every once in a while, just because I really like the season, I'll go back and watch random episodes, including this one, because it's so it's just so fun. It's so fun. Uh, I do think, though, my favorite San Juan del Sur moment. I know this isn't in this episode, but it's the chicken nuggets. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's that's might be like one of the funniest challenges, right? Because that's there's that moment. I think there's Natalie trying to spit and ends up spitting all over herself. (laughs) Yes. And like Jeff Probst's reactions to the cast is just like what have I gotten myself into with these weirdos? (laughs) That's why I kind of love this season too is because I mean we saw the bartering in this episode but this really was the season of that. Like we talked about two episodes before was when Hunapu you know gives away the fishing gear to get another flint. I think two episodes from now is going to be when Hunapu is like we need more rice and Jeff's like I'm going to come and take your entire camp and in exchange for it. And then later on in the post-merge that's when Jeremy and Natalie are giving the rewards away. Uh, the like the t- coconut chop challenge gets officially retired because Jeff Probst yells at everyone for basically <laughs> setting it up so Missy will win. Right. He's like, well, if you guys have already decided, we're not even going to bother to do it. And he's so 
pissed. He's so pissed. Oh, it's amazing. This is the hot mess season. I think Natalie even says it during this tribal. Like, Jeff, we're a hot mess. Like, yes, very self-aware girlfriend. Like, you are a hot mess, and the whole season is a hot mess. Yeah, I. I, this is, I've, you know, used the term many times before, but I feel like if you want a representation of, like, a train wreck season of Survivor, it's either Sam Wondosaur or Gabon. In my opinions, where it's like a bunch of power players get taken out mid game, a bunch of chaotic, crazy stuff happens and you get a very unsuspecting winner. You know, that makes sense because I do I do have a soft spot in my heart for Gabon as well. So (laughs) I think I think I know what I like. The uh, the other thing, too, because like you mentioned, we went from, you know, season one, season two, season four to season twenty nine. When I first pulled up the episode, I was like, oh, this is great quality. (laughs) And then I was like, did I am I watching it? Like I thought I had done something and then it was like, oh no, this is many, many years yeah, later. Leon, Leon's history with internet practice, I think that would make sense. Like, you're like, did I hit a button or something? Is yeah. this what's HD? <laughs> uh, uh, 720p, what does that mean exactly? Um, which was lovely. Like, oh, that's cool. It's cool to see how Survivor has evolved, uh, even if it's from the production side and the the visual aspect. Yeah, and I thought there was also interesting to, like, not exactly get, like, camp life stuff like we might have in those other three episodes that we watch, but still, like, we get the Alec and Baylor stuff, right? Like, there's mm-hmm. still other character moments that are happening that's not completely embroiled in strategy. I think it does help that it's a new a cast of new players as well who, especially this season, are really trying to figure out the game as they go along. So there's a lot more based in, like, interpersonal relationships and there is and you know what they do around camp and how that informs it rather than like all right well especially because of this uh the Koyopa tribe right they don't go to tribal council but like dale was the only one left out of the john rocker vote it's pretty certain that he's going to go next so there weren't many stories that they needed to tell from that orange tribe right i was thinking about that it also from uh from the sense of like this episode didn't feel jam-packed it didn't feel rushed but i felt full after mm-hmm. and of course it, when we're cherry picking episodes like this it's like oh but this is the best episode of the whole you know se- season or whatever so like of course you're gonna love it but i feel like the pacing was great here because like you said we get the the brother son or a uh, brother son no that's not a relationship <laughs> Would that, that be happens. like uh, uncle nephew then <laughs> brother son <laughs> brother so he's my brother son <laughs> that's how we're related is that like uh, my mother my sister from uh what is that chinatown i think yeah uh no but um the little little bro uh big sister right like the Mm. the alec and baylor thing and at the same time we still sort of got a little bit of strategy uh, even if it is a mess of strategy versus when we watched the from seasons one two and four it was so character heavy which is Mm -hmm. great when you have so many great characters and if survivor can always produce that i think it's fun that way but this felt like the the goldilocks and the three bears this is the right porridge that i wanted to eat i had a lot of fun with this episode yeah, because and I think it also helps that, again, you have someone like Keith, who like is still doing strategic things <laughs> in a, almost yeah. in spite of itself. But it's like baked within <laughs> character moments. Right. The fact that he goes looking for an idol, doesn't find it immediately, then whether intentional or not, fingers Jeremy being like, I think Jeremy has an idol and then subsequently goes back to looking and finds the idol. 
the whole conversation at tribal council where Jeremy is trying to explain how alliances work to Keith and the whole concept of a sub alliance. Yeah, that's that's new to me. It's new to me. <laughs> like, I don't even understand how that works. Like, if you are working with him, right? Like, you would go to him. Like, what are you doing, Keith? But it's so entertaining. And I mean, it's obvious why Keith was brought back. Like, he's just so fun to watch on TV. Yeah, and especially, like, again, considering, like, how, how this idol is going to go. This is going to be the idol that he plays with the infamous stick-to-the-plan vote that ends up voting out his own son mm-hmm. from it as well. So, like, Keith just brings so much. It's also fun looking at, like, you know, the the first episode, Val is sent to exile, and Keith is sent to occupy her and, like, accompany her. And then, as a result, Jeremy feels like he can trust him so much. And then imagine being, from Jeremy's perspective... Keith, who's supposed to be one of your closest allies, you hear is suddenly just saying, yeah, Jeremy has the idol and you like you get thrown under the bus by one of your closest allies for no particular reason whatsoever. And I love this version of Jeremy. I do subscribe to the theory that I do feel like maybe Jeremy's subsequent other appearances have been a little like the edges were were dulled down by the fact that especially in Cambodia, that he was a winning person that like we wouldn't see that many negative sides to him because, man. I just I really love some grumpy Jeremy Collins. He's just so fun when he's exasperated. He's so entertaining. He just pops off the screen. He's great in confessionals. He's great even just watching him play the game. Like it just it it makes me happy. It like gives me warmth inside. And he's a player who I think just like is is willing to share with the audience yes you know because there's some players that want to like keep stuff inside or don't feel like they want to do that and i feel like i understand jeremy i know jeremy and that helps me relate to him from a character perspective like i'm the viewer i get jeremy uh and and i think that that's something that's super valuable and we see a lot of that here in this episode yeah i think that jeremy is not somebody to mince words specifically to the camera so like he'll call drew a moron like mm-hmm. he'll call Keith idiotic, and that's it's fun because again, it's it's like a little blunt. There's there's no sort of like uh, there's no sort of I don't know filter taken through to the words, and that's really fun to watch as a confessionalist, especially to like essentially have us be the wall that Jeremy vents to about these very kooky people he has to live with. Yes. And to go back to the Keith thing, I can completely empathize with the Jeremy's exasperation because when you are dealing with when you're playing with somebody or against somebody or even like in everyday life, you're dealing with somebody and you see them make a decision. If you can be like, oh, yeah, that decision was rational. I disagree with the decision, but like at least it logically made sense. This whole Keith Jeremy interaction, Jeremy's just like, what what do you like this is i can't even understand why you would do what you do like you can't understand why Jan, like keith would do what he does why he behaves that way and that it makes you extra exasperated and we get to see all of that frustration it's like i get you i get you jeremy well let's get into some of our games from this episode and of course this is an episode based around drew christie so you know we got to have a quiz about him liana you're about to partake in a quiz i like to call what would drew do I am going to ask several questions, multiple choice, about what Drew Christie did over the course of this episode. And we're going to see how much closely you paid attention to the works of Mr. Andrew Christie. Okay. I, if I do poorly, I'm also, though, proud of myself. Because... Exactly. Like, it's a win-win situation. If you right. win, that means, hey, you're, you're super observant. If you lose, it's like, okay, I didn't need to pay that much attention to Drew Christie, considering that 
Drew is such a quote unquote ladies man that he would want you to be paying attention to him, despite the fact that you are taken. Uh, such a ladies man. <laughs> All right, let's start here, Liana. What does Drew wear around his neck throughout the episode? A cross, a feather, a shark tooth, or nothing? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to go with a shark tooth. No, you would take Drew for one of those guys, especially, I guess, being from Florida yes. or something. But no, Drew wears a bright blue feather around his neck the entire episode. It's on a string around. Like, I don't know if it was taken from tree mail or something, but he decided to fashion a great necklace out of that and wears that throughout the episode. Where did he get that? <laughs> I know, well, John Mish has like a little bracelet that has one of the blue feathers on it as well. So I really do wonder if it was like either a piece of tree mail or like maybe a piece of the stuff that, that, that when they walked into the camp that like the accoutrement that mm. came with their surroundings. But yeah, he decides to turn it into a necklace as like a third grade art project. No, I'm not even gonna say third grade as like a preschool art project. Yeah. Will you get that tattooed on you, Mike? The feather from Drew Christie? Maybe if I had picked that idol, then I would have then I, I, I should have, you know, if there was a chance to have just a feather on a string, I think only that would have been jankier than the idol that I had picked for Island of the Idols. <laughs> yeah, just one step below what you picked. <laughs> All right, Liana, as I mentioned before, Drew balls ups and at the uh, the the reward challenge slash hero arena or whatever you want to call it, he tries to single handedly barter Jeff the new Flint back for the fishing gear they gave away, which is not a piece of fishing gear that Drew tries to get from Jeff. A mask, snorkel, a spear, or flippers? I don't think he said flippers. That is correct. No flippers needed for Drew Christie. He's enough of a beast in the water that he doesn't need anything to help him. Doesn't even need it. Yeah. And when John uh, sends Drew, because Drew apparently like volunteers after mm -hmm. <laughs> Jacqueline loses the duel. I love John trying to be like, yeah, Drew's super helpful uh, when he's not napping. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the other thing I, I love about John. It's like John is you know tight bros with drew they i think missy is the one who says at tribal council that they run around like a bunch of five-year-olds but like as drew is doing this barter john has his head in his hands the entire time of like this is i tried to tell him but this is this is a terrible decision <laughs> terrible decision well and like he also knows that everybody else feels that way about him so john's trying to walk that line between i want to keep my buddy happy but i also want to keep everybody else happy and that was sort of his approach but did the um did the jeff probe sass uh montage include john saying like i feel like you're taunting us and jeff going i am taunting you you get nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh so good before we move on to more fun and games we're gonna take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we are back. So let's keep on keeping on. All right. So speaking of John. So yeah, as mentioned, John beats Jacqueline in the little hero game and picks <laughs> Drew to go to Exile Island with her. What does John tell Jacqueline before her and Drew go off together? A, he's a good guy. B, don't let him nap. C, keep an eye on him. D, take care of him if you can. If you can. <laughs> um, so this is what John says to Jacqueline. Yeah. Ooh, goodness. I'm trying to think if he made the joke. I'm going to go with A. You are correct. Yes, he sincerely told Jacqueline he's a good guy, which segues perfectly into my <laughs> next question. What activity are Drew and Jacqueline participating in on Exile Island when he sneaks a look at her ass? A, sunbathing. <laughs> B, swimming. C, piling up firewood. D, tending to the fire. Okay, shoot. Because I remember I can see it because I loved the little editing. Like, Alex, uh, sound. Drew can see it too. Yeah, yeah, you can see all of it. Um, okay, she, okay, she was definitely bending over, but I'm trying to remember if she was tending to the fire or picking up firewood. I think she was picking up firewood because I think I remember them being like in a foresty area. That is correct. Yes, they were piling up firewood and yeah, there's that nice little like doing sound. Yes. I mean, Drew essentially was the distracted boyfriend meme, but like he was also not the boyfriend at the same time. Yeah, I don't know how you would change that. Around. I guess I guess the meme would be like Drew is the is the guy. Jacqueline is the, the woman in the foreground and the woman in background is nothing because he doesn't <laughs> have a girlfriend. Yeah, or you have to just replace the whole meme like Take the boyfriend and the, uh, like, you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, do some <laughs> shuffling around of the people in the photo. Yeah, we'll make a, or maybe we just make a brand new meme. We'll just Photoshop John in to that still of Drew looking down. Oh, I like this. Okay, so let's, we'll make this the new meme. It's the shot of Drew looking at Jacqueline's ass. And then, like, in the background is just John Mish's head, like the, the yes. Teletubbies tubby son, the baby head <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Mike, I have gone, I can't even tell you how long, without thinking about the Teletubby <laughs> baby head, and now you have brought this back into my life. I can't decide if I want to, like, be mad at you, or I want to laugh, because that thing is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, you can laugh just like the baby head son does to greet us every morning. <laughs> yeah, just like the baby son. <laughs> what a All right, weird so concept. We can, you imagine, back can you imagine being in the writer's room? Okay, I don't know if Teletubbies had a writer's room, because don't they no, just No, I'm pretty noise? sure they just sort of rolled a bunch of dice of words on it to create that world. <laughs> yeah. I would just love to be the creative group that came up with the sun baby. How do you do <laughs> testing with children? You have a child. Do you like put things in front of him and you're like, do you like this or not? Yeah. Is it okay? And do you so, think yeah. he Asher just actually participated in a bit of a study for a toy company. <gasps> no where way. They, we would like we sat down with him and they like sent us videos to watch on a nap and they sort of watched us. We like did a video call with them and they watched his reaction of like, did he lose interest? Like, did he engage with it? Did he just like stare transfixed at it? So that's sort of like even at a young age, like around one year old, they're still doing this type of testing. Career change. Focus groups for babies. How yes. cool would that be? 
I mean, your audience is either like has the most discerning taste or the least discerning taste, depending on, you know, where they're coming from. Right. Oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Good for good for him. You know, you got to put him to work early. You know, like life ain't free. All right. You got to earn your keep. Speaking of which, let's Uh go to Alec Christie here, who, again, like this is an episode about the Christie brothers, because Alec gets a bit of a moment here on Koyopa. And Alec talks about how back in the day, his dad on like Saturday mornings would never wake up Drew to do a certain activity because, quote, he knew Drew wouldn't be worth a damn. What was that activity? Was it washing cars, mowing the lawn, fixing a car, or cleaning the house? I have zero memory of this. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go with mowing the lawn. I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Christie would wake up Alec early to have him wash cars. Ah, wash cars. Yeah, that was I was confused as to whether it was like their parents' cars or like just go to the car wash and work at the car wash. I think it's probably wash the cars at home, maybe. Because if you had a real job... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what? it's interesting, though. I mean, that's an interesting introspection to their relationship. Because, again, you know, Alec and Drew were like, well, they'll barely interact in this season because Drew's about to get voted out here. But, like, it's very odd that Alec, you know, is the younger brother and Drew obviously thinks of himself very highly. But he also has, like, his own, like, well, you know, uh, I was asked to do these things because my, our dad thought that Drew was this big loaf about. So, like, he has his own little, you know, uh, high horse to be on. Right. I was responsible enough that I got to be asked to do it. Maybe that's a good parenting technique to get one of your kids to do stuff is be like, yeah, you can handle it. And then they're like, yeah, I want to work. <laughs> I think like that's a good thing for a younger sibling, right? Like, Liana, you and I both have siblings. I don't know if you've ever faced this type of situation, like with the Christie brothers, but I can imagine that's a good thing to give the, the younger sibling. If you, they feel like the older sibling gets everything, it's like, no, no, no. I trust you to do these specific tasks. Ooh, like, yeah, like, oh, no, I can't, you know, I can't just trust just anybody with this, you know, yeah. like, this has got to be yours. No, I don't remember any of that happening as a child. I did remember I wanted to do homework because I wanted to be like my big sister. So Aww. I think, I know, right? So I think that was definitely a motivator to get me to do my homework was like, just like your sister, you get to do your homework. And then I'm like, yay. So... You know, I don't know. I also used to play homework where I would get the biggest books in our house, what? which was the dictionary, and then I would just open it up and I would sit there like staring at the dictionary. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think I like. I don't care. I think I could read at the time, but I don't. I don't really like, so remember your, your game was. I'm all right, mommy. Let's play homework. Yes! I'm going to get the Encyclopedia Britannica yes! and sit there and stare at it. Yes, I would open it up and I would have a piece of paper and I would have a pencil i don't remember if i was like writing well, anything down yeah, i was like, like were you just writing transcribing the dictionary maybe <laughs> uh, but i don't i don't think i learned anything i mean um, that's fine when i was in fifth grade i would spend afternoons uh watching educational anatomy videos for college students and taking notes for nobody in particular <laughs> so i think we're of the same mold here <laughs> 
That's so weird. That's yeah, like so I wasn't cute. doing it for anyone. Like I took I like took my dad's like legal pads and I just like wrote reams and reams of notes <laughs> about the endocrine system that I never ended up using at the end of the day at like ten years old. That's amazing. Were you interested in? Did you like want to be a doctor? Were you interested in uh, biology? No, I think I'm just interested in anatomy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, did not want to be a doctor at all. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But but then I that was before I realized like my absolute disgust with body horror and my subsequent like. <laughs> inability to do anything when anybody is cut up in any way in the same room so it's more like i don't know uh, a labor of love even though the love turned out to sour at the end of it once i realized what that actually involved what a complex road for you mike yeah look up put it in the dictionary that you'll copy down it's the definition of irony <laughs> ridiculous all right well let's go to the immunity challenge here because of course but this being the first, I remember uh, actually being like very happy because I think this was one of like the, one of the first big swimming challenges that we had experienced in the season. So Drew throws the idol to Jeff to catch it. And then Drew goes on to mutter something to the other tribe, Koyopa, as he walks back to the tribe. What does he say? Nothing but net. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Easy peasy lemon squeezy or hot fire. All of these are amazing. Um, the first three I'm familiar with as phrases. Hot fire, I'm not so familiar with. So I'm going to go with hot fire. Yeah, you went with the mystery one, and that is correct. He said hot fire, though I really wished he threw the, the idol to Jeff and went, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. No, Puya gets on me all the time for saying phrases that he calls white people phrases, and like, okie dokie is one of oh, them. I, that's, and like, that's my go-to. As yeah. You know that from texting with me. Okie dokie is like one of my favorite things to use. <laughs> yeah, and that's easy peasy, lemon squeezy is like perfect for that. What were the other two? The first was uh, Ambi? Nothing but net. Yeah, nothing but and net. boom goes the dynamite. Yes, yep. Line them up. That's perfect. <laughs> I gotta start using those more often. So as we know, Drew attempts to throw the immunity challenge single-handedly. Uh, in order to do so, what does Drew not do as he's tossing these rings? A, try to throw multiple rings at once. B, try to grab another ring as one is rolling away across the platform. C, throw the ring far away from the post. Or D, demand that it's his turn now. Wait, which one did he not do? Yeah, he did not. He did yeah. three of these. Okay. He did not do one so of he them. Definitely, okay, he definitely did C and D. What were A and B again? Uh, tries to throw multiple rings at once or tries to grab another ring after one rolls away on the platform. Okay, this is a technical question. I don't know if you can answer it because I remember Jeff Probst yelling at him to be like, you can't throw multiple rings at once, but that's because the ring has to be back on the thing before mm -hmm. you throw another one. So yes. by throwing multiple rings, it, this is too much effort for a simple, stupid game. Do, <laughs> yeah, this is far from easy peasy lemon squeezy. So, yeah. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Does does it, by throwing multiple rings, at, you mean like one and then two or like... Like At somebody throws a ring time. and then Drew throws another ring, you know, right after. Okay, that happened. So whatever the other one was, the try to grab another ring after one rolls away. Yes. No, no, what? he actually did not throw the ring far away from okay. the post. Okay, okay, buddy. Let's just. I'm thinking far like away. he like throws a hail mary, you know, into into the ocean. It like was sort of got near the post. Okay, it was. It, yes, it landed on the little thing that it was floating on, but it definitely was no okay fine that's fine you know what easy you know what easy peasy lemon squeezy let it roll off my my back just like a lemon yeah. we're all good <laughs> i think my favorite was when he was like it's my shot now my shot now 
<laughs> yeah. It's this my is why turn. he doesn't wash cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get to go. Oh, he's such a mastermind. Well, speaking of which, what does Drew not call himself uh, over the course of the episode? A badass, a manipulator, a kingpin, or a puppet master? <gasps> oh, okay. He, I mean, he's a badass and a manipulator of this game. So that's, you know, he's basically a badass. So that that is A and B. So the question is, is does he say he's a puppet master or does he say the other thing that you kingpin. said? A kingpin. Shoot, the quotes were my favorite part. I think he said that he was a kingpin, so I think my answer is the other one. Yes, that is correct. He did not say he was a puppet master. Surprisingly, I feel like puppet master has said much more than kingpin, Uh, so I I guess he was able to pull that one out of the lexicon when many many have not in Survivor Pass. I think my favorite Drew Christie quote was when he was talking about wanting to trade the flint back, and he was like, I don't care. Like, I'm going to go balls up. That's what a good leader does. I was like, you're right, Drew. A good leader always goes balls up, whatever that means. Uh, and I love I Drew. Drew insisting that he is the leader of the tribe is also one of my other favorite runners, despite the fact that he doesn't do anything. Of I think he says, it's kind of hard to drag these people along and not get much in return. But the thing is, without me, these people would be nothing. Yes! And the fact that he is here to strategize and manipulate minds. Yeah. Oh, that's very like uh, Chris uh, from Baby Can Eight, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. He's the mind manipulator. If only he could see it. Ah, oh, beautiful. So obviously, Drew is going to dig into Kelly Wentworth as a target this episode, which is not a reason that Drew gives as to why he wants to target Kelly. A, she's low key. B, she's super friendly. C, she's observant. D, she's never missed an episode of Survivor. Okay, she's never missed an episode of Survivor, so it's definitely not D. She's observant, she's low-key, and she's friendly. I think it's not friendly, so B is my answer? Yeah, okay. Yeah, you got the letter and the answer. That is correct. He did not say that she was super friendly, just that she was low-key, observant, and never missed an episode. Yeah, I love that never missing an episode of Survivor counts. It's like a big threat. Um, Because I wonder how many episodes Drew Christie had watched of Survivor before playing Survivor. Over under one. (laughs) I would say he watched like a season in either in Sequester or like knowing he was going to be on the show. The question is, like, which one did he watch? I would imagine it'd be like, I don't know, something like One World, where he's like, oh, this is going to be so easy. I'll just do what Kim Spradlin did. <laughs> easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's on the coat of arms of House Christie. Wash, <laughs> wash the car. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> Basically a badass. So Drew has this, like, boot order mapped out for if the woman should take power in the tribe. Where does Drew fall in the boot order, Liana? First, second, third, or fourth? Oh, I have no idea. I'm going to go a second. Uh, no, he feels like as much as he fears the Women's Alliance, he'd be third picked oh. off. Uh, he says, like, first Keith would go, then John would go, then he would go, then Jeremy would go. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I was like, he's either second or third. It was, we're Keith. Like, how big of a threat is Keith? And apparently Keith is a very big threat. Well, because remember, it was uh, that Jeremy was like, we need to get rid of Keith. And she was like, no, we can't get rid of Keith. Like, if the women want us to get rid of Keith, that means John's next. And then, of course, it's me. And then it's you, Jeremy. Like, he does not also does not regard Reed whatsoever. He pulls a Nadia Anderson and I guess oh, considers yeah. Reed one of the girls inappropriately. <laughs> right. Yeah. Reed is there. Of course. Drew always with his uh, finger on the pulse. <laughs> All right. So Drew 
tries his, to spread his plan to get rid of Kelly far and wide to Hunapu. Who does he not try to convince on Hunapu to get rid of Kelly? Keith, Missy, Natalie, or Reed? Okay. I think it is... Okay, I remember him talking about, like, the women are going to send everybody home to Missy and Natalie, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Keith. Yeah, that is correct. You did it. You were correct in that the first time that Drew pitches getting rid of Kelly because of the women, Natalie is right there. And of course, she incredulously is like, why would you say that when I'm right there? Missy is the one who he tells the aforementioned comment of like, I don't even trust you guys to vote along yeah, with us. Yes. And, and Reed is part of that group as well. <laughs> yeah. We don't even trust you to vote with us. Like, either vote with us or else. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's the kingpin. So that makes sense. Like, if you think about, okay, what does the world look like from Drew Christie's perspective? If Drew truly believes himself to be a basically a badass and a manipulator of this game, then of course he would feel comfortable saying that type of thing to Missy because he is the kingpin. The problem is, is that Drew's perspective is completely bonkers and way off. And so then he just looks like a crazy man. Yeah, I mean, the kingpin doesn't care about what's happening to the seven pin, right? Because the seven <laughs> right. pin is so far back that like, I'm going to get hit first. And yeah, if we end up getting a spare or a strike, it doesn't matter to me, but I know I'm getting hit by the ball at the end of the day. Yes, the very apt and much needed bowling analogy. So thank you, Mike, for that. Yeah, if I'm ever on Survivor, that's what I'm going to bring in. Like, screw pilots and passengers, <laughs> hyenas and lions. Let's go with the bowling pin comparisons. Oh my god. I'm just imagining you going through and doing an alignment chart with each person. Like, where in the pin, like, arena are they? Are they in the second row? The third row? Yeah, exactly. That's the way you strategize. It's almost like a pyramid game like you get two people in your close circle right those are the two three pins those are the ones that go down if you go down and then they each recruit one other person to make it three mike start, mike starts the first survivor mlm strategy that's what it's <laughs> gonna be called yeah i don't know i guess it would have to be called like the pyramid alliance or something right well i mean you know we already now know about sub alliances so thank you jeremy for educating us i think you can utilize that strategy pretty well so at Tribal Council, where the sub-alliances are brought up, uh, Drew's just sort of like espouses some general uh, platitudes as to what he hopes this vote will accomplish, which is not one of them. So three of these he said, one of these he did not. Does he want to strengthen the, tri the, the team, keep the tribe harmony, get bad energy out, or roll forward? What was two? Keep the tribe harmony. Keep the tribe harmony? Yes. Yeah, that's not a phrase. So he definitely said that. Um, uh, let's see. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with D, the rolling one. No, much like a bowling board, he did want to roll forward. Uh, he did not want to keep the tribe harmony. <laughs> what? Oh no! I've been like inception. I thought for a second you're like, well, this is definitely not a phrase, so this must be Mike. So yes. I'm gonna say keep the tribe harmony. <laughs> No, I was like, this is definitely not a phrase. It must be Drew. Oh, no, this is like the Turing test. I can't tell which is mine and which is Drew Christie's. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I think this is bad. This is a bad sign, Mike. Oh, no, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Finally, as you mentioned, we get five votes for Drew in this episode. Who drew a picture of a fish next to their vote for Drew? Oh, don't even have to read. Can I get a bonus point? Absolutely. Natalie. 
Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah, no, I saw that when I was watching the voting. So I was trying to figure out, I was like, wait, who voted for who? Because it's obviously a 5-2-1-1 vote, the classic 5-2-1-1 mm-hmm. vote. And I saw Natalie did that, and I was like, that's so shady in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, because apparently Drew was like just like continually gloating about how good of a fisherman he would be if he had that fishing gear. So it makes sense to like not only be the final nail in his coffin, but also subsequently like make fun of him for it. And I'm assuming earn a fishy on the way out too. Oh yes. I didn't even think about that. I thought it was just to make fun of him. Yes. Uh, the fishy I didn't even consider, but he was, yeah, Drew, <laughs> Drew's basically saying, he's like, Oh, I mean, I would have been, you know, pretty much the Rupert or yeah. the Boston Rob of my tribe. If only I had had the fishing gear. Or at least a mask or a snorkel or a spear. I don't even need the flippers. Well, Liana, congratulations. Much like the baby son, you have risen and shown in this game. Trying to figure out what would Drew do. Ugh, I'm so proud of myself for beating no one. But I You really kept the tribe job. harmony on that. I did. I really did keep the tribe harmony. Um, okay, well, actually, speaking of games, okay, you described it as the little hero game. I'm going to call it the duel, which is its actual mm-hmm. name. Should the duel come back? I was thinking about that as well of like, well, here's the thing. Like, I think the duel worked well in like a I'm tr- I've been trying to think either in a blood versus water context or like, I wonder if the duel had come back during like Survivor 40. You mm. know, I think it works best when people know each other. And I like the idea that they had people face off in these duels against their loved ones because there's a lot of like weird emotional investment in that we saw jeremy cry on day one when he beats val in the challenge and there's a lot of weirdness as to like okay do i beat my family member you know do you blame someone for getting beat by their family member i like the stakes that were involved in this i think at this point we were a little like islanded out between redemption island and exile island but since we've been away from that for a good portion of time it's an interesting concept that I wonder would be worth re-exploration. Okay, second question. Should Survivor go full challenge, not the TV show The Challenge, not challenge like the duels, and do a Rivals season? It's an interesting idea. Now, the question would be, would the Rivals be on the same tribe together, or would they be playing against one another? I think they'd be playing. So I'm trying to think. I'm inspired by your comment, which is like, when the duels have the added drama of it being two people who either love each other, or they know each other, like there's some type of drama there, I think it adds that that added element. Because otherwise, it's just, you know, you're the two tribes versus one another, right? There's no added benefit, um, except now you're only watching one person do a challenge versus multiple. But if you could find other ways to incorporate that type of rivalry or relationship loved ones is obviously one any other just sort of pre-existing relationship but like what if you heighten that with doing some sort of rival season so i guess the question would be is there more drama in doing rivals or doing friends yeah friends if you had if you had like <laughs> jeremy and natalie on separate tribes and they had to face off against each other in a duel you know mm, yeah okay everybody has a best friend Who's on the other tribe? Doesn't necessarily have to be loved ones. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think, though, that they were I mean, fun. I guess rivals would have the naturally competitive spirit. I agree. And there could also be the chance for more, like, trash talk afterwards of, like, wow, Johnny Fairplay, I can't believe you got beaten by Sandra in that challenge. What's wrong with you? Right. And I think, you know, uh, is... There's, there is something that when you are playing against your rival and it's... It is a self-contained game. You feel like I can do whatever it takes to win. 
you know, like you're allowed mm. to be super aggressive and like try your hardest and beat them because, oh, society has set up this little area for you to face off against one another. And so it could be super intense. The thing is, is like, well, then how do you cast that type of season? You know, what are the, the rivalries that we would want to see? Um, so I don't know. Something to think about. Things to think about. Yeah, I think, well, especially, you know, we have sort of, I think, expended some returning player seasons recently, but I do wonder if there's something like that in the future, like who would be some fun pairs to bring back, not just fun from like an entertainment perspective, but not like nasty rivalries, you know, like, I don't know how much we want to see Corinne versus Sugar coming back. Right. And that's the other thing, too, is that you don't ever want it to fall under that category, which with loved ones, it's never going to. I hope. Yeah, hopefully not. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, as I said that, I was like, ooh. Um, uh, that would be interesting, though, if it was sort of like, I mean, I know they're covering Big Brother 4 on uh, the blockumentary, but like if they did something like that where they cast the buddy and they're like, and here is your ex competing on the other tribe. Oh, my gosh, that would be so messy. I mean, we just saw it with Winners of War, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think that could be good. Maybe. I don't know. Or like, uh, hey, CEO, here's that employee you fired a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> now they're playing against you. Yeah. Uh, the CEO would be like, what are you talking about? I fire millions of people. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. How's, uh, I don't know what CEOs do all day. Um, count their money, perhaps. I'm, I'm not privy here's to Here's the person who forgot to count your money that one time and you fired them. <laughs> Rivalry. Yeah, how would they even do the casting? I guess my brother did the casting, so I'm sure like we can figure it out now. We yeah, though technology. I think it, I think they they sort of knew to like a certain extent. Like I'm sure you know there was some communication about it. Uh, I know that they had like secret pairs, but there's been very few times that they've had like uns- there was that, and it was what Big Brother eight when they had like. And that's the other thing as well is that the rivalries can really stem from like like they did in Big Brother, a father and a daughter who haven't spoken for years to two girls. Uh, in high school, who one owed the other one five dollars? <laughs> yeah, real drama. Very even playing field, I think, in terms of the rivalries there. Yeah, well, that's the other thing as well. Is I wonder, like, could they do like a social media rivalry? Right? Like, could they bring back like I don't know two uh, former survivors who have like had beef on Twitter to play against each other? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It could be so. It could be a brand new player season, but with rivals, or it could be a returning player season, but with rivals. Or a mixture. I don't know. Like, figure it out. People smarter than me will figure this out. <laughs> if it's so a like, okay yeah, idea. So it's like a blood versus water where, like, it's one half returning players and one half people they do not want to see play Survivor with them. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like um, Midwest Barb and Tyson are the two yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's a Survivor and then someone on social media who yelled at them. Ooh, Survivor, meet your troll. <laughs> you know, where it's like you have to play against your troll. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking about healthy rivalries, that's different. Definitely oh, the place we want to dig into. Pinnacle of health. <laughs> yeah. These social media rivalries. <laughs> uh you can't subtweet here, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh that's what the, the motto is, right? Like, cause you can't subtweet on Survivor. <laughs> oh, what would Jeff Probes do with that? That would be hilarious. Okay. So, Mike, I want to give you the opportunity to play your own little hero game. Ooh. So, so I was in... So I get to stomp on things and make a little seesaw happen with a ball? Because I will admit, that's something I want in my backyard. That did look like a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. Maybe it is because quarantine is really starting to take its toll on me. And just going outside is a, a gift. Um, but that little seesaw game really did look like fun. 
Yeah, and I know that uh, when I talked with John Kierhofer back when I was on set, he said that like those types of games were their least favorite to design because they had to like pick something that was small but something that gave an equal opportunity to everybody, and so it was really tough to boil that down. But I don't know, there was something about like stepping on the ball to, to or stepping on the seesaw to fling the ball into the air that looked like you know you could like have a beer in one hand and do that in your backyard on a lazy Saturday night. Yeah, it's very much the cornhole or horseshoes mm-hmm. kind of version. <laughs> Maybe that's they should play cornhole on Survivor. <laughs> Okay, well, you're not sorry, you're not stomping anything today, but maybe you can stomp this game by guessing the survivor impressions. So I don't (laughs) I don't have a good name for this. I have hidden impression idol survivor impression <laughs> idol impressive impressions i really couldn't decide on anything why either. was the idol in there <laughs> well okay it was like hidden impression idol is like hidden immunity idol but it's also american idol yeah i was thinking it was like okay are we doing american idol I with impressions know. i don't know i don't know man uh fine all right so i was inspired by natalie doing an impression of keith and so i have some clips for you mike uh and i would like for you to play the first one which really inspired this whole game i'll tell you one thing jeremy got that idol classic that is incredible (laughs) i love that so much it's like her genteel southern ways especially considering that like Natalie has an accent herself to have her like do an accent on top of an accent is actually extremely impressive. Oh, yeah. No, it was it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And, you know, I was trying to decide what I wanted to do for my game this week. As soon as she did that, I was like, oh, done, done deal. Like, I did want to do something with balls. But, you know, you can only do the same joke so many times. Yeah, only so many balls you can put up there. <laughs> exactly. So what I did uh, was I found some survivors doing impressions of other survivors. Ooh. So, so can I guess Rob Sesternino for everyone? Yeah, I mean, you're more than welcome to. Uh, um, you may not do so well, but you can. Uh, so the way that this can work is you can... the. Uh, I can tell you who is I, okay. I can tell you who is giving the impression, or you can try to guess both who is giving the impression and who the impression is of. If that makes sense. Okay, so basically, I can guess both the impressee and the impressor. Yes, or I can ask for the impressor. Yes, but your goal ultimately is to guess who the impression is of because impressor. Whatever. You get it. It's fine. We'll all, we'll play along. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, number... You can play the clip for number one. Bro, this boat is a real bummer, dude. Man. Ooh. Bro, this boat is a real bummer, dude. Man. Well, it has the like the new tribal council music, so it makes me feel like it's a modern season. Ooh. I'm trying to f- I'm trying to figure out like who has a broy voice. All right, I'm I'm gonna relent. Can you give me the impressor? Okay, the impressor was Spencer. Spencer. Oh, Spencer's doing woo. Yes, Mike, that is correct. <laughs> He's got a couple ones, but that was like the best one. I love that. That's and I'm assuming that was one of the many times that Wu like said he would vote with them and then refused. And so Spencer's pretty ticked off at Wu at this point. Yep. <laughs> yeah, not happy with Wu because and Spencer's like he just always says, "Yeah, I'll think about it, bro." <laughs> that was one of the other things. So, all right, yes, that was Spencer doing an impression of Wu. 
All right. Impression number two. We had to live with almost several times a day. Of, oh, my God. They're going to vote for me. They're going to vote for me. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So would you like to know who is the impressor? It sounds like an older guy, but I'm trying to, like, target the voice. All right. Give me the impressor. Okay. It was. Ooh. It was Philip Shepard. Philip Shepard. Okay. So, Philip, is it Philip Shepard doing an impression of Dawn? That is correct. Ah, see, I was thinking, I was like, okay, is it one of these, like, Redemption Island, like, younger women? Uh, but then I realized that the reception towards Dawn from the Karamoan jury was not very favorable. So I could imagine that, you know, that's sort of him representing the general opinion on her. Yep. And this was his question at that final tribal council. So uh, what a weird final tribal council between that, between like uh, Sherry yelling, yelling at Eric to sit down. And then the question about like Cochran, who are you going to pick up at the bar with us? Yeah. Very odd. Talk about chaos. <laughs> like, and then also, I mean, even talk about take out your team which might be one of like the uh, undercover darkest moments in Survivor history, oh the exact God. opposite of the baby son. Oh my gosh, exactly. The exact opposite of baby son. On a scale of asking to take out your teeth to baby son, how excited <laughs> or happy are you right now? Definitely closer to baby son, okay. personally. All right, good. Well, let's see. <laughs> Hopefully clip number three will keep us in the baby son category. No death. We're all out here doing yeah. the same damn thing the same damn people but you wonder who the people gonna be Jeff I think I'm on the top block tonight <laughs> I don't know my name come on five or six times tonight Jeff it could be me gone this is slam dunk <laughs> boom goes the dynamite Rodney doing an impression of Mike Holloway <laughs> boom goes the dynamite indeed easy peasy easy peasy lemon, lemon squeezy <laughs> yes uh, yeah that one was a classic I was like I knew because off the top of my head I was like okay I was trying to remember who all did impressions of who and that was the first one that popped in my head I was like I have to do Rodney doing Mike <laughs> it just has to be there alright so you have four points for what it's worth. Okay. I don't know what that means, but congratulations. <laughs> You're doing a great job so far, Mike. Thank you. I'm feeling good about it personally. Okay, good. Very baby son of you. Uh, well, let's move into clip number four. Well, I don't care. Everybody get on the cloth. <laughs> we go downtown. We get ourselves some bud. I do some karate. I just don't care. <laughs> At all. About anything. Oh, okay. Well, first off, uh, I don't want to, you know, do an impression of that impression, uh, but it's not a great impression, whoever's doing it and whoever they're doing it of. <laughs> the shade, the shade of it all. I'm going to get the bud. <laughs> bud. Uh, all right. Well, would you like to know the impressor? Yeah, I'm going to have to on this one. It sounds like a younger man, but I can't pinpoint it. That is a very broad category of people, but that is correct. <laughs> yes, it is Todd Herzog. 
Uh, and this is from China. Oh, she's doing, he's doing Denise. He's doing Denise. Maybe not well, but yes, that is the impression that Todd was going for. Now, I, because yeah, I, I was thinking like, is it a, is it a, supposed to be a Boston accent, but then it turned into like a weird Long Island accent, <laughs> but I didn't know if that was purposeful or not. I don't think so. I really don't think so. It's when Todd and Courtney are doing impressions of everybody. Uh, oh, yeah, and Courtney does uh Jamie with like the buck teeth and the half cocked eyebrow. <laughs> One eye, yeah. Okay, that's the thing is that I, the other thing was like, oh, Courtney like Courtney has to be on this list I could pick five that are Courtney the thing is is that Courtney's are visual as well and just mm. they really be, like the bandy legged troll that is the Rupert yeah, with impression the arms up and down scarecrow arms oh my god it's it's brilliant it's it's comedy genius unfortunately this is an audio only podcast I don't know how to do that <laughs> what is the onomatopoeia for the up and down arms yeah, if you did if you did like the soundtrack for it with the sound in fact, she'd be like, yeah, maybe I can make it work. Right, well, next time, who's next impressing time. a rusty bicycle? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, are, are inanimate objects being impressed here? Like, is that what we're doing? <laughs> Uh, okay. Oh, all right. Uh, let's do. Oh, yes. Okay. So this next one technically includes three people. Okay. Oh, um. You can answer this however you want. There's one that is the majority, which is what I'm going for. Um, but you'll you'll see. Roll the clip. Roll the clip. Only reason I come back, someone messed with the cow bar. My spear. I didn't touch your spear, Rupert. I never oh, touched your spear. Come on. How's my head, Jeff? Okay, so this is from Shapira's fake tribal council. <laughs> yeah. So big Tom is. Was, yeah i know he's like totally oh no <laughs> oh man that's <laughs> i think that i th- i think that i want to say sue was being jenna lewis and boston rob is being ethan yeah that's correct <laughs> totally didn't even clock that sue's like i didn't touch your spear rupert and i was like oh <laughs> that's the <laughs> answer <laughs> Crap. Yeah. <laughs> I messed up the game. You Rupert bone him. T- <laughs> yeah. The Boston Rob is Ethan was like really making me happy. And of course, our very own, you know, Rob C is there as Jeff Probst, which was also uh, hilarious. And it's it's so crazy to think again about like, you know, Boston Rob doing that to Ethan and then like uh him making fun of Ethan later on when the tribe absorbed everything and then cut to like winners at war when he's like in Ethan's inner circle. It's crazy what time could do. No, and that's what was so fun because I had forgotten about that moment until, until I started going back and trying to pull these clips and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so it's like so full circle. It was just a really great moment. It was so funny. And and Boston Rob also talks about how he just wants to show that Ethan's not as much of a pretty boy as he thinks he is. And he's like talking about Eve, it was like oh that's so cool like that's really really just neat and like heartwarming <laughs> even if i mean heartwarming just... that it eventually comes around right yes. this idea of like that they they all grew up and they're like why were we making fun of each other let these people make fun of each other right we're gonna be friends yeah, we're gonna come together we're gonna try to play together even if it's not super successful but really yeah just enjoyable all right i don't even know you get five points whatever i don't know you did Yay! a great job you did a great double your score well done uh <laughs> let's play clip number six well oh boston rob that he's got himself a girlfriend and that's that's all well and good if you're back home but we're out here on survivor and 
I know I got the wife back home, and uh, I came on Survivor and get away from having a wife. Oh, <laughs> uh, the laugh! If, if it didn't give away before, the laugh at the end is Rob Sister Dino to a T. I was like. I have to cut the laugh because it's so clear who it is. But the laugh <laughs> makes me laugh. And I was like, I can't cut that. La- Rob laughing at his own joke in his own impression is just amazing. It's so well, I, well, I love it because I, I can also imagine the situation, right? Like this is a, a person like sitting down with Rob in an interview format and like asking him to do impressions. And I can imagine that Rob is, has nothing to work against. Like, that they are just completely stone-facing his impressions. And so, like, I can imagine a situation where he has to laugh at himself to, like, sort of uh, ease the tension of the fact that they got completely no-sold, his Big Tom impression in the room. Oh, I'm sure. And this is after the season has, like, had aired to, or at least had filmed, because he talks about, like... I'm gonna say, I hope so, otherwise he definitely predicted Rob and Amber happening before it even (laughs) ended up happening. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, And so, like, I'm just trying to, you know, imagine what that was like. But he's got that whole video where he does a couple of impressions of different people from all stars and it's just it's really fun i couldn't not include rob yeah. you know what i mean so that being said i mean my strategy to guess rob says you know would have worked out one out of every six times so far yes exactly <laughs> for half of the points so you would have gotten one out of 12 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh okay so these okay so clip seven um would we'll just play it okay all right, all right, all right. impression of a person an impression of a uh, russ landau uh and it's done i'm assuming it's done by that chapera tribe right because i believe that they sing the theme song at the end of their tribal council yes that is uh singing the theme to the hidden like the hidden voices song that's their they're playing themselves Wait, out let's see if i can listen to it one more time it's just an audio clip that's fine it's just like my computer, my computer futzed out on me for a second, so clearly he does not want me to listen to. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, maybe, uh, maybe this next clip will help to sort of fulfill that desire. Yeah, let's hope this thing doesn't melt down on me in the process. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That is the lovely Karishma Patel being forced to sing the Survivor theme song during Survivor Sequester Season 1. I was like, this is the most inside baseball thing in the entire world, but I but just, just I don't hope care. it's not for a lot of people out there. I hope people seek out these clips, or at least, so to explain it a little bit, uh, there was a round during Survivor Sequester that occurred last month when they were like, given uh they were being given yeah uh, like punishments to do and karishma's was that uh when she wasn't strategizing she had to sing the survivor theme song i was like which one did better was it karishma or was it the shapira tribe like all singing together <laughs> i think it the shapira tribe had more conviction because Karishma's gradually, like, it got so quiet. Like, she'd be like, oh my god, we need to take care of this now. Like, you need to get them out. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, so, so, just so, like, uh, mellow, which is not what the Survivor theme song is. It's in your face. It's edgy. <laughs> so, yeah, right. It's very intense, you know? Like, you gotta it's capture really the that punk energy. rock of theme songs. Mm, for sure, for sure. All right, well, congratulations, Mike. You win the game i suppose uh i do have one more clip that i just really wanted to include i'll i'll uh i'll set this up before we listen to it so rob sesternino our very own fearless leader rob sesternino did the instagram takeover i think 
No, it must have been multiple seasons ago. Yeah, it was. I think it was during Edge of Extinction. Yes, it was during Edge of Extinction, uh, and it did include a lot of impressions. And so there was just there were a couple that I really felt the need to include. Uh, and so I did want to play this clip. Dude, I've been waiting for you to get here. I'm giving you a piece of my mind. Oh my god, I'm I'm so tired of hearing about this. Reem, this was so many 14, 15, 16, 17 days ago. Dude, I've been waiting here for your. Dun, 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 dun. Rick Devins did it. Take that, Ron Clark. Peace, bro. I did it all by myself. All right, well, I'll give him two out of three. Because I don't know if that. <laughs> It says like Rick Devins. I don't know, like is on Quaaludes or something. <laughs> I like the da da da. Uh, and also, hey, Rick Devins here. That's worse, Mike. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's like he made it like really like high pitch and like I don't know. His voice sounded so leery. Like, hey, everyone, it's me, Rick Devins. I did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, the video is up. I think on the RHAP YouTube page. Go check oh, it really? out. The whole series is there. Um, he's got the little puppets like on a stick or whatever. It's really fun, really funny. It's like two minutes, you know. So if you didn't get to see it when he did the Instagram takeover, definitely go check it out. Uh, flashback to the edge of extinction time before before uh before we got the winner uh and the inevitable close to that season we were still having a lot of fun <laughs> yeah bygone days when a rick devon's impression was the only thing we needed to worry about in our lives that's right that's right well the one final thing that i want to talk about from this episode is i want to go back to the, the hero duel and i want to talk about uh the reward because i found this so interesting so they usually you know they sometimes give these people a choice to choose between. Well, Liana, I don't think I've ever experienced this choice before or after in Survivor history. It was comfort items, you know, your tarp, your blanket, your pillows, etc. Or campfire food. Mm. Yeah, That was so intriguing to me as a choice. Yeah, the campfire... So the, the logic that was set up by Jeff was, well, one is comfort now, I guess, which is the food, and the other one is like, long-lasting comfort, which is the literal comfort items. I just thought that the food choice was, so, like, wouldn't you do, like, rice and beans or, like, something that would last a little bit longer? Or like, it was, like, sausages. Or, yeah, like, something themed, right? Because, like, I would say, like, you could say, like, oh, you can have an Italian feast, and, like, that has several fruits and company into it. I've never heard anything be branded campfire food. <laughs> Especially when the category is, what was it? It was like sausages, popcorn, and s'mores. <laughs> Classic campfire food. It should have been like the freeze-dried dinners, canned beans. <laughs> uh, what else? S'mores, yeah, I guess, I maybe know, like uh, jerky. Jerky, yeah. Well, you know, we already talked about jerky uh, earlier Trout. in the series. Um, yeah, I so like campfire food have we seen the campfire food reward at all like not even no. opposed with, no no no, no campfire i mean i think food. we've seen like maybe they've served like i think they've been separated right like they've served s'mores in the past or like i think they probably had like sausages included in the barbecue but i don't think they've ever configured sausages popcorn and s'mores together and say Let's call it campfire food and let's tempt the castaways with this. Can you imagine the least satisfying snack of popcorn being the option out there? I can eat probably several buckets of popcorn and still be hungry because you're effectively yeah. eating air and butter. 
<laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't take it. It's like, well, it's going to be like, it's bad calories, right? It's just air. It's just, um, yeah, we do don't want to waste our time on that. Unless it was popcorn with movie theater butter. Because I know that after you go to the movies and you eat all that movie theater popcorn, like you do not feel good afterwards. Yeah, no, that is a delivery system for the butter. Like the popcorn mm. just happens to be there. It's really just how do I get as much butter as possible that comes through a pump uh, thing like into my body? I think that's, that's right. Like it's short of IV it straight into the bloodstream, like the popcorn seems like the best alternative who eats popcorn when they're camping <laughs> maybe, i don't know maybe this is a tradition mike that just like we are not aware of i guess not we're too busy reading dictionaries and taking notes on anatomy <laughs> videos to go camping no we're like too no we're oh, not not the people to ask about this you know i will say so in my defense i did go you know i grew up in colorado so i did go camping a lot as a child all right, so talk to me about what's some campfire food from the Boris household. S'mores, we would definitely bring. Okay. If we were doing, like, I don't want to call it car camping, but if we would, like, drive the car to a campsite and then, like, set up a tent from the car, so, like, had the car there, then it's a little bit more, like, s'mores, you know, like kind of, like, fun foods. I could, I think we did hot dogs. I don't know if we, like, were up to the level of sausages. Like, that's, like, next mm. level. The food we absolutely never had was popcorn. <laughs> okay. Maybe it could be like, uh, you know, Boris household thing, but like never popcorn. Not even. Yeah, I mean, I'm no. I mean, I'm looking stuff up and like, obviously you can do like the, you know, pop the, the popcorn <gasps> kernels in a pot. Right. But like that does not feel like the immediate thing you would do. When you go camping, like, great. Good thing I have these corn kernels that I can pour into a pot and openly, you know, fire off this popcorn. Is Jiffy Pop? You know, Jiffy Pop, you know, the thing it's like yeah, flat yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it pops. I feel like that's like a campfire thing. Okay. I Googled Jiffy Pop and the, the suggested like search terms are popcorn, campfire, and camping. <sighs> Oh, I also remember that at one point, uh, the Internet nicknamed, I don't know if you know this, Leona, because you were still on MySpace, <laughs> uh, but they nicknamed Jeff Probst, Jiffy Pop Probst. Could Jeff Probst be like a piece of campfire food in that regard? I was 100 percent still on MySpace at that time and was not aware. Is there a reason for that nickname that you can't I explain? I mean, Jeff sort of sounds like Jiffy and, you know, he has the P last name Pop. So he just sort of gained the name Jiffy Pop Probes. Yeah, Jiffy Pop Probes. I'm a, I'm ready to bring back. Let me write that down. Jiffy. I think so, too. I, th I think when we have like, you know, people uh, sarcastically call him like Jeffrey or call him Probes or something. Uh, there was one Island of the Idols contestant that insisted on calling him Proby. Didn't end up working out. Uh, I think Jiffy Pop Prop probe should make a return. <laughs> Jiffy pop probes. All right, we're writing it on a sticky note. We're gonna stick it to my computer. Oh no! And will I remember what this means? That was a fun time capsule. So I know that recently, Eliana, you had like sort of been cleaning out your desk, and you stumbled upon several random notes that you've taken over the course of these podcasts. Yeah. And those were a fun sort of stroll down memory lane. Yeah. What were? Oh, they ended up being anagrams for people's names. 
Yeah, something like that from the when we did the Survivor 40 ones with Kirsten McGinnis. Yes, I don't remember what they were now. I think I threw that away because I was like, <laughs> why do I have this? Because it's just random anagrams that I wrote down, probably because I thought they were funny. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to remember to say these later. And then they just end up in a notebook that I have no memory of. So now Jiffy Pop Probes has officially made the notebook. That's right. Jeff, Jiffy Pop Probes. At least that one... I was going to say I'm going to remember, but I, you know, like I was like, no, oh, you're, so not. Obvious. you're not going to at all. I was like, it's so obvious. It's self-explanatory. Like, I'll definitely remember what this is. Nah, probably not. Nah. But you know what? For the moment, we all have this memory of Jiffy Pop Probst and the campfire food. I guess the other thing about campfire food is like, I don't know if I was a castaway, I would not want to like eat something that I would already I would need to like also prepare. You know, like I guess the barbecue is maybe a different thing, but like getting the appeal of okay these are s'mores but first you have to make them and roast them over the fire it's like i've been doing enough tending to the fire jiffy prop like i i don't want to do this please give me the comfort yeah right exactly like don't create more work for me like that's fine okay so yeah uh, yeah it's like an australian survivor remember when they were given the reward of fish and chips and they were given like the satchel of potatoes and the fishing gear Mm, yes 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 right exactly uh, so I, I did a little bit of Googling of my own textual messages and I did I messaged you uh, the 29th of May and I said, do you know what also pony tots means? <laughs> Which is I'm sure the message that everybody is looking for. Uh, also saltine speedies. You replied to me, are those euphemisms for drugs? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that might supersede easy peasy lemon squeeze as like a a symbol of just how completely nerdy and uncool I am. (laughs) Okay, boomer. Are those euphemisms for drugs? All right, Uh, you got uh, any of those uh, saltine speedies? Gotta do. (laughs) We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna go out to the uh, to the field, do a little saltine speedy. But also, pony tots makes no sense. Like, imagine if Jeff was. I mean, listen, it's a weird point a survivor gets to if Jiffy Pop is giving away drugs as rewards. Be like, we got everything. Saltine speedies. Also, pony tots. (laughs) Is it because of, like, what would. Is, like, ponies like a thing, right? Yeah, pony is, I think, another name for cocaine. Right. They say, right, the horse. Okay, so maybe then that's where, yeah, also pony tots. Uh huh. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Oh my god. Yeah, I, I mean, it would be an interesting situation if they ended up giving... That'd be very interesting in very ways if they gave away drugs as a reward on Survivor. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think that would be a very, very different game. Um, but it could be something we see. Uh, for those who are trying to figure out what also Pony Tots is, you know, I'll give you a few seconds to skip ahead, but it is Tyson Apostle, and Saltine Speedies is Denise Stapley. So if you want to solve Wait, did you those say anagrams... Ahead a few seconds as if people didn't want to be spoiled on the results of the anagram <laughs> that we've already done on air several months ago? Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to cater to everybody. If you really don't oh, want to know... Oh, are you catering with campfire food? Yeah, that's what. We have Jiffy Pop. <laughs> um, also, also Pony Tots. Also Pony Tots. We actually don't have s'mores, but we have the... Uh, uh, Oreo version of s'mores, which I'm sure exists somewhere. S'moreos. S'moreo. Ew. Why does that sound gross? What's a s'moreo? It doesn't sound like a thing for euphemism for drugs. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I got hooked on s'moreos. It's rough, man. Uh, yeah, s'moreos do exist. I see a Food Network recipe here where it's just that you 
uh, instead of like you, you put marshmallows between the two Oreo cookies and you, you roast them. You roast the whole, you roast the marshmallow. No, no, you roast the marshmallow and then you put it between two Oreo cookies. Do you remove the, the cream? No, cream's a part of it. Ah, of course. This Oreo is nothing without its cream. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yep. That's right. Of course. Very good, Mike. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, that went promptly. We thought we had, that was a train wreck episode. We went promptly on the rails for like an hour and 20 minutes. And then we just went off at the end talking about giving away drugs as rewards and smorios cream <laughs> as per usual the uh what did we decide we're like what was the the orphans were the orphans that are just oh, the boxcar children yes, we are the boxcar <laughs> children <laughs> oh my goodness well to, to finish things off uh you know there's been a lot of talk in in recent weeks as to how you know people using their platforms to amplify marginalized voices and draw eyes to certain causes, both vocally and financially these days. So we're going to institute something new on the BNB this week moving forward. We're going to have what's known as a, a charity corner where every week, either Liana, myself, or the guest that we're going to have on is going to choose a charity of their choice to highlight uh, in order for people to donate or find out more information about and, you know, for the first edition of this charity corner, I thought it was really appropriate if we highlighted the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Marsha P. Johnson was uh, a revolutionary for not only black rights, but gay rights as well. She was a tried and true liberation activist. She was a key figure in the Stonewall riots, which uh, recently celebrated their 50th anniversary last year. And so I figured, you know, with this being Pride Month, as well as all the conversation and discourse around the Black experience and the trans experience as well, and Marsha P. Johnson as a Black trans woman herself serves as so much of an inspiration for so many people in our world today. If you want to check out more information, go to Marsha P, M-A-R-S-H-A-P dot org slash donate. You can also sign up as a member on that website. Black Lives Matter, Trans Lives Matter, and Black Trans Lives Matter. And I think what Marsha has done, you know, she, again, really was a trendsetter. But to see the disproportionate amount of violence against trans women and especially trans women of color is just an indicator of how important the work of the Marsha P. Johnson Institute is needed today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, quite the tonal shift, Mike, from uh, from t- also pony tots. But that's like that's the whole point, right? Like we're taught. Yes, we yeah. can be fun and yes, we can be silly, but we also can be minded of the other things that are going on in the world. And so, you know, we just wanted to take this opportunity to to have some fun. But also, you know, remember, like we're living in a time that is super chaotic and living in a time where if you can donate and you can help, that's something that we advocate for. I know I'm going to be donating each week with the, the charity mm-hmm. that we decide. Same. Um, and I think it's something that you know it's important and if you can't donate like even just a reminder that like yes sometimes we use these podcasts as a form of escapism but I think there are things that are going on that like we just need to be reminded of and so I think that this is important and we're just saying love each other help each other let's all make this world a better place exactly let's let's make sure that that son is perennially a laughing baby exactly on the scale Uh, of (laughs) laughing baby to taking out your teeth we always want to be on the laughing baby side 
So again, Marsha P, M-A-R-S-H-A-P dot org slash donate. And there you can find a lot of information about the work of Marsha P. Johnson as well as the Institute. So yeah, I wanted to highlight that. And also moving forward, if you all out there have any charities that you would like us to highlight, please, please send them our way. You can use hashtag R-H-A-P-B-N-B on social media. You can email us R-H-A-P-B-N-B at gmail.com. Again, we want to draw people's eyes and ears to some of these causes that really need to be importantly supported in this day and age. And uh, we're going to continue with our charity support and also talking survivor next week. As we move forward here through our journey in time, we took a big leap forward from season four to season 29. Now we're scaling it back a bit, but not completely. We are going next week to see episode five of survivor China, the infamous swap episode where uh, two people from each tribe are swapped over and infamously, the fall of Aaron Reisenberger as PG and Jamie, who was previously impressed by Courtney, end up throwing the challenge to get rid of him. And James is not happy. Yeah, we're splitting the difference a little bit. So now that we've sort of done a uh, very early Survivor and then definitely more modern Survivor, now we're going to hit right in the middle. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, looking at it from a middle perspective, how Survivor has changed. I really can't wait. And of course, we are going to be joined by a fantastic guest for the, all that. Ali Lasher, challenge podcaster extraordinaire, is going to make her return to the B&B. And Liana, it might also be a bit of a celebratory occasion in more than one way. Well, yes, Mike, since you mentioned it. OK, shout out to one of our listeners whose name is escaping me right now. And I super apologize, but I believe you tweeted at us two weeks ago when Mike and I were by ourselves and we were like, is this episode 100? Turns out that was episode 97. And next week, baby, episode 100. Mike and I, for some reason, have been allowed to do this for 100 episodes, really questioning my life choices. But we are going to do something so- super spectacular maybe <laughs> or not. we're gonna do something <laughs> we're gonna do something maybe <laughs> in bnb fashion we have no idea what we're doing and we are going to continue that into the next hundred episodes <laughs> yeah so if you guys have ideas of what we should do for a hundredth episode as well i know that a lot of discourse has been around the robin akivanita podcast episode 100 that the 100th episode of the bnb snuck up on us so as we hit triple digits who the hell knows what's going to happen, much like with every episode of the B&B. So if you have ideas, send them our way as well. We are open to everything and anything at this point. Liana, if people want to uh, keep in touch with you outside of all this stuff on social media, what are you up to and what are you? I was going to say, what are you on? But the answer is, of course, also Pony Tots. <laughs> yes, also Pony Tots, a little bit of Sticky Speedies or whatever that was. <laughs> Saltine Speedies. Sticky Speedies. <laughs> so much worse. Uh, that's what happens when you have some S'morios, you get some Sticky Speedies. <laughs> the cream is necessary. <laughs> um ooh lord all right yes uh i <laughs> i mean jeff ooh, uh, i am on social media at liana rhap i am talking about rupaul's drag race um that is uh we're talking about all stars so fun and then of course you know doing all of this insanity here uh my partner puya zanvakili has been popping off on jiffy jiffy popping off on his <laughs> twitch stream and we played mario party against 
against Whoa. one another. And I'm, su- I'm surprised you're still together. I hear very much so that like Monopoly and Mario Party are the two games that can really like break couples apart. Yeah, one of the benefits is being on camera is you can't be as petty as you normally would because you're terrified <laughs> about how other people will view you. So my normal pouting that happens where I separate myself and I get super angry couldn't happen uh, because we had to sit next to each other on camera. So I will say like like that was definitely a benefit. Uh, it was a complete mess. Comes down to, well, I don't want to spoil anything if you go back and watch. But anyway, check it out. He's put, pushing out content and I was uh, happily uh, being a guest over there having a lot of fun and a lot of anger. Do you think can you convince him to do tiers of campfire food next? Ooh, that's a good one. I don't think he's. Li- I don't think so. He's from Dubai. I don't know if he's ever been camping. Um, mm. But you know, maybe we'll bring in a guest. Obviously, not one of us, since we apparently no, don't. Don't, don't bring in the indoors kids, please. Yeah, no indoor kids. We need a couple outdoor kids that can help him with that, and he facilitates the discussion. I just really want to know where popcorn or Jiffy popcorn falls on that ranking list. Yeah, and you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Uh, I'm doing the Lost Podcast every week with Josh Wiggler. But one of the variables that we started this week, a month ago, I told Rob Cesarino that if enough money was raised for direct relief via his GoFundMe fundraiser, I would get a survivor tattoo as determined by a Brant Steele. The time of reckoning has finally come, Liana. Uh, this past week, we had a very fun podcast where myself, Rob, and Inkspert Jessica Lee got together and reviewed some submissions sent in by the listeners over the past couple months. And we then, uh, we basically figured out the cast. We have not run the brand steel yet. And so we uh, basically figured out who is going to be competing to get tattooed onto my body. I really enjoy it. Uh, I know Liana listened as well and has her own rooting interest. Oh my gosh. I got so excited. So as soon as it dropped, I was like, well, I have to watch the video. Like I have to see what the tattoos look like. Um, I have a rooting interest. I have several rooting interests. In fact, um, you know, obviously the soup uh, for the B and B is, you know, my my winner pick if I'm gonna have to pick somebody. Uh, but I also, you know, Puya came up with the SoundCloud uh, thing or you know the QR code or whatever it's gonna mm-hmm. be, which I think is also great. Fleur de Lee is just classic. Like I love Fleur de Lis, and then uh, Sir Squiddington. I think uh, I would be super super duper happy if Sir Squiddington won. Also because the Sir Squiddington drawing that Jessica Lee's made. Oh my gosh. So it, good. It is so good. If I could, if if I was allowed to, I would put that on every single piece of clothing I own, all the walls, <laughs> the the curtain, shower curtains, like pillows, blankets, everything. It just it, it it makes me so happy. So if Mike has that permanently on his body, oh my gosh, I would just be what a what a sun baby sunshine world we would be living in, people. Oh my god! I just imagine now like, walking into Liana's home that is festooned with Sir Squinting images on the walls, on the ceilings, on the floor, in the bathroom, on the shower curtain, all over your clothes. But you can't. It's either here's the thing: you either get one thing with Sir Squinting on it, or everything with Sir Squinting. Yeah, it's really on like it. there's no middle ground here. There is no <laughs> middle ground. All right. Look, I grew up in a household with an Elvis themed bathroom where we had lots of like Elvis. It like my mom was like, it looks like Graceland wallpaper. And that was it. Mm. That was all it took. And then we just started getting gifts from people and they were like, well, here's a weird gift for those weird people that we unfortunately <laughs> have to visit over the holidays. Like just the people with the weird Elvis <laughs> yes, bathroom for exactly. some reason. So me having a Sir Squiddington themed bathroom is really not that far off. 
Uh, well, so you can check all that out. Uh, the people that or the things that Liana mentioned were joined by, I think, like at least a dozen or more cast members as well. And we'll be running that brand still soon to figure out what will indeed be inked on my body. Maybe it's Sir Squiddington's ink. Who's to say? As always, uh, Top Chef has actually just aired its finale to what I think is the best season it's ever done. I got together with that panel earlier at the time of recording this to talk about it. Very, very fun podcast as well. And finally, uh, not a plug for us, but almost a plug for you guys, uh, as weird as it is to say. So for those of you that that might not be in the know or as a quick reminder, Rob Cesarnino has put out an official application for new voices to RHAP. So if you are somebody who has always wanted to guest on the B&B or appear on the live feed updates for Big Brother or talk miscellaneously on an off-season Survivor podcast, RHAP is looking to gather some new voices, some new talent to talk about their love for reality TV. If you want to apply, uh, you can check out the link on Rob's Twitter profile at Rob Sesternino. Uh, I'm pretty sure there, I don't know if there's like a special link to it or anything, but basically it entails you to fill out a, a Google form, uh, send in a quick two minute video about yourself and reality television, and then there'll be uh, some subsequent interviews later on. But I highly encourage people to apply. Look, Liana and I have sort of, you know, both been so lucky to have the opportunities we've been afforded, but we have all been in the position of somebody who has listened to podcasts, maybe a lot Liana, because she didn't discover podcasts until like 2017 or something, apparently. Uh, but to be able to listen to podcasts and be like, that'd be fun to be a part of, but I have no experience. And you got to start somewhere. So I really do encourage anyone who has interest, please apply to the point where if you are nervous about your application or if you want to ask questions or ask for advice, my messages are open on all social media platforms. So so slide in there. Ask me any questions that you may have. I'm more than happy to answer them for you. And I really look forward to hearing from hopefully some very exciting and new voices in the weeks to come. Okay, so I'm laughing because I did discover podcasts in 2016. All right. Oh, my God. I'm, I did not realize how right on the money I was. <laughs> yeah, very uh, Nostradamus of you. Um, yeah, I, I am super excited about this process. Mike and I are going to be potentially involved in some of the interviewing and things. And like, we're just looking for people who, you know, have a, a perspective, who want to talk, who want to give this a, a chance. Um, and so I highly encourage everybody to apply. I can speak also from the drag race perspective that we are going to mm. be looking for guests to come on and talk about drag race. So I know this maybe isn't the best place, but I'll plug it on the drag race podcast as well. So if that's a show that you're interested in, that's definitely a place where we're actively looking for new people. So uh, check it out. Check out Rob's Twitter, whatever. We all retweeted it so you can find it and reach out to us. Yeah, uh, this is going to be super cool. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, so that's going to do it for this week on the B&B. We're going to be back next week to swap it up with Ali Lasher talking about episode five of Survivor China. Special thanks to Scott St. Pierre for editing everything behind the scenes. Paul Osselson, our head writer. Wolf from America for that fantastic theme song. Donate marshap.org slash donate for the Marsha P. Johnson Institute. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll check you out. At your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. You can
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.